Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and right before we started streaming today, I got really distracted with a Reddit post from nine years ago on the Hammocks subreddit. And it's from a man who uh, just got divorced, and he was announcing to the community that he has more time now to spend on sleeping in a hammock. Oh, the hammock subreddit. I think you said hammocks, and I was like spelling it H-A-M-I-X in my head, and I was like, I don't know what that's going to be. But no, sure, the hammock. What's a hammocks? I don't know. Oh. I was, that's why I was confused. But no, the idea that someone divorces his wife to spend more time in a hammock, that makes sense, because hammocks are really comfortable, and I do that. Hi, I'm Luke Bailey. Hi, Luke. Yeah, no, the, the, the post is titled, Wife Packed Her Stuff and Left Me. I'm now a full-timer with a photo of the hammock in an empty room. And then one of the guys was like, sorry to hear that sweet setup. Also, you should try mounting it to the walls. And then the guy was like, I've considered it, but I'm a big dude, so I don't feel comfortable doing that. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Anyways, let's get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about the internet, as always. We're going to do a uh, little check-in on the uh, ongoing trash fire that is Elon Musk's Twitter experiment. All the Nazis are back. Hooray. Uh, we'll also be talking about some interesting data that was released about this year in Spotify, basically what people have been doing on Spotify this year. And uh, I want to talk about a thing I noticed on TikTok. If also you want to check out our bonus episodes. And if you want to support the show, head over to thecontentminds.com. You can get all kinds of extra content over there and you can uh, get a login for our Discord. It's a very fun place to be. But to kick things off, Luke, as always, how was the internet this week? You know, that is a tricky one to answer just because obviously it's mainly been talking about the World Cup, which has not been... I know everyone's so mad at it. Everyone's nothing has changed since the last time we spoke about the World Cup, other than the fact that both the USA and and England are now through. I was going to say there is one little interesting development, isn't there? Which is that the uh, the US team seems to have done pretty well. Yeah, the the US team are indeed into the last sixteen. USA, 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 and that's good, right? <laughs> the last sixteen, like that's good for us. Yeah, you only if if you win the next four games, you win the World Cup. Oh, only four games. Yeah. That's great. So we're. But you got to win them all. That's the problem. Yeah. But that's how most sports work, right? Like you have yeah. to win all the games. But also, you you knocked out Iran, which is a shame because uh, Iran's team was uh, leaving aside the whole, you know, standing up for like protests and all that stuff. Uh, astonishingly handsome. Oh, <laughs> uh, more handsome than our boys? Oh. Oh, Who, all of your boys, all of your boys look American, and it's really distracting. And I don't, I don't. Excuse me, Christian Pulisic does not look American. He looks like a very fetching Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic looks American. I don't. Christian Pulisic is a man who he knows what an in and out is. Like that is that is who Christian Pulisic is. <laughs> like the food. Yes, I'm yeah, assuming you're yeah, talking about the food. Yeah. This is Alan, by the way. Yeah. I jump. I realize I keep jumping in and not. Hi, producer Alan. Welcome. Wait, so which team has the most handsome boys? Oh, Iran. Iran's team was okay. Just devastatingly handsome it was, it was I, distracting when i was watching england because like, every time someone else would come from screen you'd be like wow okay interesting i saw a tweet that said that the u.s team 
isn't as good strategically largely because we don't have enough visibly balding men. How do you feel about that take? Uh, I mean, that's true. Like, you don't have... What's the youngest team? It's the youngest team in the tournament. The average age of a player on the U.S. team is 24. Are we the youngest? Correct. That's so cool. Yes, we Okay, are. so, I, I mean, yeah. I really like what I'm hearing about the U.S. team. It sounds like we're really energized after our 0-0 win against the U.K., and we're now going on to smash England. it. We've only got four games left to win, which seems like not a lot. Ryan, how long did you live in England, and you don't know that there's no such thing as a U.K. football team? Well, I thought maybe they could have put aside their differences for the, <laughs> the, the World Cup. You played Wales. You played another part That's of the U.K. Correct. in the same and that was And that was a different team than your team. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. The, no Wales, Wales went out. It's been a very, it's been a very sad uh, tournament for uh, teams with like one old brilliant player because uh, those old brilliant players have not done a lot. Poland are out with Lewandowski. Portugal are not looking great with Ronaldo. They're not young and hot like our team. Neymar's injured. Suarez is shit. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. It's yeah. All, it's, this is very much like the the last hurrah for an awful lot of old men. Um, well, speaking of the last... Wait, hold on. I can't let us move on from talking about this America game without talking about the fact that Kristen Pulisic scored the winning goal and then immediately just got kneed in the balls as hard as a human being can possibly get kneed in the balls, so much so that he had to be taken to the hospital, and that the content that came out of that was fantastic, and there's nothing more American than that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I think it's really good. I think that, that of all the injuries you could have while the entire world watches, that's probably top. Uh, the Neymar injury was horrible, and it looked like his ankle grew another ankle. Yeah. This one was just funny because they called it an abdominal injury, and then they realized that the whole world saw him get kneed right in the balls, and so they had to revise it to be a pelvic contusion, which is the most proper way you could possibly talk about getting bruised yeah. on your balls. I will say, I I like the World Cup at Thanksgiving time, and I think that if they want, you know, everyone's dying for the for America to finally get involved in the international world of soccer. The whole world is waiting for us to finally make this a thing and make this successful. Yeah, and you got the ultimate football experience, which is a nil nil draw that is incredibly boring, but somehow right. helps both teams. But like, if people really want soccer to take off, if they really want this thing to 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 actually become a real thing, they got to bring America in. And I think the only way to do that is to move the entire sport to a different season that lines up better with our holidays. Well, okay. How about this? What if next time around we just have it in America? I think that's great. I think that's super cool. Good. We're already doing that. Part of it's in America. It's in Canada, America, and Mexico. Yeah. What? Really? The World <laughs> yeah. Cup yeah, is that's... across three different countries. <laughs> there, when there was the games world... played in Boston. Really in Boston? I'm from there. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh man, I'm I, see. This is great. This is working out perfectly for me. Is it in the summertime again? Because that's it will be. It will be in the summertime. Okay, well, but there will be forty. There'll be forty-eight teams. So it's going to go on even longer. Oh, good. Also, that match, Luke, the nil-nil draw. Did you know that was the most watched soccer game in the United States in the history of the United States? I loved it. I loved it. It's it's my, it's the dream of it. It's like, hey, this is it. We can make an advert for the sport, and America can finally get on board with it. And instead, it's just like. a just one of the worst games I've ever watched. Jesus Christ. In all seriousness, I think a, a large reason, not the largest reason, but a large reason why soccer or football is not bigger in America is because we just do not have a culture in this country of being able to take like three hours out of your day at a random time to like care about a sport because we just have a fucked up like work culture. What are you talking about? You have like four national sports. But they're not in the middle of the day. We have one sport. We all follow one. What are you talking? It's on a Saturday usually. That's what I'm talking about. You have you have NFL on the Sundays. You have baseball every day of the week. You have basketball every day of the week. You have but hockey they're not in the middle days. of the day is what I'm saying. What the fuck are you talking about? In the UK it's not. 
What are you talking about? I have sat... So one of the reasons I like watching soccer instead of American football is that if I sit down to watch an American football game at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, I will sit on my couch until 11 p.m. and I will watch three football games in a row. And the reason I like soccer is that I can watch an Arsenal match at 8 a.m. U.S. time. I'm done by 10 and then I've got the rest of my day. Yeah. I mean, that is that is awful. That's not how to do it. But No, <laughs> what's better than going to the pub at 8 o'clock in the morning? I can go to Highbury Pub here in Brooklyn at 8 o'clock in the morning Ooh. and watch Arsenal. <laughs> that's really grim. That's very that's, grim. That's awful. I just think that, you know... Are you are you drinking? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I need to know some stuff. So, Alan Law, are you drinking at eight AM? I used to. I I quit drinking, but yes, there, okay, there right. people are drinking pints. I used to drink cider at like seven thirty in the morning at the at the pub. Okay, I mean cider is a good early choice. Okay. Let's talk about Elon Musk. Yeah. So things aren't going well. I would say the site is structurally not working very well at all. Okay. If it was if if it was before Elon Musk got over, if it was working like functionally at like a ten out of ten, where do you think it is now? I would say it's close to like a two and a half or a three at this point. Let's say four. Let's say so six percent of the time you can't use it properly, is what you're saying. I'm saying 6% of the time I'm noticing something wrong with it, yeah. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. I would put it a little bit higher than that. I would say it's like a 6 or a 7 still. My DMs are like now a joke. They are impossible to use. I can't use them, and I feel really bad. Because I, I was like a person who answered my DMs pretty regularly and like looked at all of them because I'm an inbox zero person, and I've had to just give up because the amount of crypto scams, the amount of like just insane bullshit in there, group DMs. Ugh. Also, I, I found this out, which I didn't realize. If you join a Twitter space, you are overwhelmed with bots. Really? I gained like 600 followers in an hour and then lost 500 of them the ne- by the next day. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's not great. And like my mentions were demolished. And what's really interesting is after doing two Twitter spaces, basically back to back in a week, I started to realize that I think a lot of CEOs and like crypto guys have a very skewed idea of Twitter because the stuff that they're doing is like so heavily targeted by spammers. That's interesting. So like if if you're a guy who just spends all day like jacking off in a Twitter space or whatever, your total idea of the social network is just people... <laughs> Begging you to send them Ethereum. Yeah, which is not most people's experience of it. And most people's experience of Twitter is much more normal than that. Okay, that's no, that's really interesting. That actually does make a lot of sense because they are all just obsessed with the idea of getting rid of the bots, which was never a problem for anyone else except them. I never really encountered a bot. And now my mentions are full of bots. My DMs are full of bots. And, and not even just like your normal automated account, but also like what makes me very sad is when I, I'm starting to get messages from people like clearly in the global south begging me to ask Elon Musk to send them money. Okay. It's really dark. Like the whole experience. I've also noticed my engagement has just gone to shit. I I was getting tweets like several thousand retweets at a time as of last week and now nothing. And I don't know if that's because my followers just aren't on Twitter anymore. Maybe I'm being censored by the libs. Maybe my tweets are bad. I'm very tired. Uh, My tweets are just bad now. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But my entire experience is bad. 
you retweeted one of my tweets earlier today, and that did okay. That got like a you didn't get a huge amount, but like it got engagement. So maybe okay maybe for it's just... you, but not for what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. You know, up in the upper echelons. I used to have like more fun on the app, and now I just I really don't enjoy using it. And for the first time ever. Last week on Friday, I wrote a garbage day and I was like, I'm not going to share this on Twitter because it's going to ruin my day. It was negative about Elon Musk. And I was like, his fans are going to attack me all day long. And it's Black Friday and I'm watching America beat the UK at world at the World Cup. And I don't want to have to deal with this all day. England. Yeah. What I really can't get, get my head around is how much of it is real, how much of it is perception. Because we've always laughed at conservatives and people on the far right for going... I'm being censored. My tweets are not getting any engagement. That's because I'm being censored. It's like, no, you probably have bad tweets. Something which, incidentally, Elon Musk has pointed out um, publicly. But like, then they were kind of, you know, it was a surge of things and they suddenly said, I'm getting engagement again. Clearly, Elon Musk has turned the button, flicked the switch. That means that I wasn't getting engagement, which we know is bollocks. And I do wonder how much of it is now kind of like, how much we're reading into it's worse because I'm noticing it. Like so much of this is, uh, there's a word for this effect. And I can't rem- remember it, but it's a psychological effect where as soon as you're thinking about something, you start to notice it. And I do really wonder how much of that is real and how much of it is, yeah, a, a psychological effect. Though I will also say that the app is broken. Uh, the, app, the app is broken. I, I, I think it also comes down to who you were following before the, the transition, right? So yeah, I spent most of my adult life living in cities. I've worked in the media. I'm fairly liberal and progressive. And I also, my Twitter setup is an interesting one because I keep private lists for uh, monitoring other pockets of Twitter. So like I outline different networks of people and I put them on a private list and I watch them, which sounds really creepy, but it's also called journalism. I don't know. So I have like- Yeah, I do do a very similar thing. I have a very similar thing. Okay, so I have, I'll, I'll rattle through them. So in my tweet deck, I've got my normal timeline. I've got an activity- feed of just what my pe- people I follow, what they're faving and liking. I have a US news feed. I have a Brazilian news feed. I have a global news feed. I have an Indian news feed. I have a China news feed. I have a news feed for extremists and the researchers that track them. I have a tech news feed. I have a crypto news feed. And my newest one is titled The Vibe Shift. And it's for like <laughs> the weirdo occultists that like live in Chinatown. That's good. And I will say that activity and engagement and just like sheer tweets per minute that I'm seeing posted and interacted with is down. I am personally following 2,545 people on Twitter, and I would estimate that each private list I have has around 100 to 200 people. So like there's a really good chance that like I'm looking at around 3,000 to 3,500 Twitter accounts in this setup. And it's all down. It's all way down. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I have a, a yeah, I have a similar setup. Mine's kind of more focused. Uh, mine's slightly more ideologically focused. Like I have a, a tanky group. I have a far right group. Uh, but like a, a similar like approach to it. I noticed some of them kind of getting worse, some getting better. But I haven't noticed it to that extent yet. I will say that on the mobile app, it's like clearly materially worse. Like I lost all my notifications for like a day, mm-hmm. which was good actually it was quite nice um but <laughs> but like other bits of it and it does sometimes feel like i've seen people get stuck in like loops uh or things aren't updating quite as quickly but the home tab particularly actually seems to be really broken i think uh which i think is also doing it more that it's worse than the latest tab i don't i'm just i'm not yet convinced that 
the actual numbers of people using it have gone down all that much just because i mean i don't know it's, it's always hard to prove a negative it's not like you know you you can say oh yeah no i've noticed x many people going because they're not there anymore you don't notice that they've gone so yeah i'm not i'm not convinced that it's that 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 that's happened yet i just do think that the app itself is just definitely getting dodgier but i yeah i would say it's six or seven right now and i guess my question with all of this is like what is the what is the breaking point is it literally just going to be that we're going to continue to talk about this and think about this stuff until apple intervenes or the eu intervenes or whatever it is and there's some sort of like forced intervention or i guess what i'm trying to figure out is like are we in 2000 ate myspace already are people already leaving and they're just not talking about it because there's no point in talking about it um or is is there more to come and i can't figure it out i don't know because i i do think that we are probably more like journalists and tech people are typically in these situations kind of they they have a lot of first adopters among them which means they also have a lot of first leavers like they are that's the sort of people that they are um what i will say is my non journalist non like activist account groups are sort of unaffected by it uh so actually sorry to bring it back to football again but uh my like tottenham list they've basically haven't noticed they're posting at the same frequency they're posting the same stuff they they've maybe made like a couple of jokes about it and kind of just carried on uh so i think there's gonna be pretty significant pockets of twitter where that's the case like i doubt that bts stands have changed their posting habits at all because I'm not sure the nuclear apocalypse would make them change their posting habits. But I, so I do think there's kind of like something like that. But at the same time, if it kind of starts to lose that core of like very high content producers of who are broadly, you know, they're journalists, they're activists usually, then that I think will potentially move stuff away. But as I, I don't know, I, I go back and forth, but it, every there's been a few nights or a few days when it's felt like, okay, this is it. It's going to fall apart now. And it hasn't which makes me think that there's still some time to go. I had that moment earlier today when I believe it was the Financial Times reported, this is Wednesday afternoon we're talking, US time. The Financial Times reported that the EU uh, has semi-officially warned Elon Musk at this point that Twitter could be banned. I don't think that'll happen. I think if, I think the EU loves fining people way more than banning anything. Yeah. Because the, they, the, they want that sweet money, baby. What they really love is talking about fining people, though. They That's love like... talking about fining. But at the same time, I, you know, I, I got to say the EU with the USB-C and the GDPR regulations, I'm I'm impressed. I think it's an impressive... You're not going to get me to like the GDPR regulations, which at this point amount to a tick box on a site. I mean, they are more than that, obviously, but I don't know. I think the impact of them has been more minimal than you would think. You would be surprised the difference. Uh, as someone who goes regularly between GDPR countries and non-GDPR countries, the largest difference would be uh, how when I'm in the UK or the EU, I don't have to worry about being signed up to some stupid fucking email list, <laughs> which is not allowed under GDPR. That's the stuff that people don't yeah. talk about. Anyways, I, I could talk about the GDPR for a long time. Do you think it's more likely that Apple will ban Twitter or the EU will ban Twitter? I have read so many arguments for and against this. If I just sort of organize the camps here, I've seen a lot of older tech journals be like, there's no way that Apple will do this. It's crazy. And I've seen a lot of people also be like, Apple's done all kinds of stuff like this. Like you can't really write them off. I think it will ultimately come down. Like Apple's big thing is they're obviously motivated financially, but they like to hide those motivations with language about safety. And I think 
right now, Apple is waiting for something to happen that impacts privacy or safety. And so far, I don't think it's happened. I think there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of rhetoric, but I actually don't think Apple really cares that much if like Nick Fuentes is piloting Kanye West's Twitter account, you know? No, that's probably true. But I also think the child sexual material, that stuff is getting out of control. And, you know, the rhetoric on Twitter from the right wing about all the groomer stuff is in this really weird way obscuring exactly, I think, how bad the breakdown of moderation is. And I think Apple's probably running the numbers on that at the moment. And I also think the most likely thing is that Twitter doesn't get banned right away, but it does lose the ability to have not safe for our content blanket, which is exactly what happened with Tumblr during the years after it was sold. It started to fall into disrepair. The not safe work material was banned outright as a way to make the Apple App Store happy because uh, there was just like no way of moderating what was going on there. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right about the image of child sexual abuse. I think that could be the one that pushes it over the edge just because it is kind of like the final thing. It is the thing that everyone agrees is bad. And if you cannot regulate it, people are going to start to pull their ad dollars, pull you from app stores. That is that is a, a very, very bad one. The thing is, I really can't tell how bad the moderation is right now. Like, it feels worse, but it's hard to tell how materially worse it is. Like, here's the easiest thing to think about. Before Elon Musk, there were moderators. There aren't any really anymore. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's like the simplest way of thinking about it. Is it like any sort of mechanisms for reporting or flagging or removing content? Uh, those things don't really work anymore. So you just have to sort of like start to fill in the blanks of like what would happen, you know, in the same way that like if Elon Musk came into your house and was like, you don't need to flush your toilet. It's fine. It's actually a waste. So you could just like shit in your toilet over and over again and it'll be fine. It'll sort itself out. That's essentially what he's done with Twitter. Yeah. And so now Twitter is just like a giant overflowing toilet. And talking a piece of shit, uh, the Nazis are back. And the and all the Nazis are back. About 60,000 previously banned accounts have joined the site again. They're all fighting with each other. And I think the, the point that I sort of want to hit here, I understand the impulse to say like, I'm going to stand my ground and defend Twitter and like fight for progressive causes on this website. And I would also say you shouldn't <laughs> and you should leave. And I think that like, if you really want to change Twitter at this point, there is no value in staying. You should just leave and go somewhere else and let it fall into disrepair and let it eventually get removed from the app store or go bankrupt. I, I slightly disagree with that just because I don't know. I don't like seeding ground in that way. I get it. Like if you are someone who is if you are someone if you are someone who is a progressive and you want to have like these arguments and stand up for the right cause and all that stuff. The the problem is is that the people who are most likely to have those fights leave and then everyone else stays. So you end up losing twenty percent of the site and you're you're kind of effectively shifting the Overton window of the site. But like in the same way where I'd be like, okay, so are you gonna go on 4chan and like fight to make 4chan a more liberal and progressive space? Like are you gonna go do this on Reddit? Like Gonna go to like like the the obsession with this with the singular point of culture of Twitter is the problem in my opinion. No, but 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 the, the, if you have something like 4chan, the problem is is that the people in the middle are not there. Like they they were never going to be there because it's already so extreme. Whereas in Twitter they are there, and so it's kind of like yeah. I I just think I just think that the dynamics are a bit different. I think if you have a lot of normie people leaving Twitter, then yeah, at that point it's safe to go. Like leave, letting it be a hive of of like far right extremism and <laughs> child sex abuse like is it's weird how those things go hand in hand yeah all weird, the time. weird it's so weird that but like if you, if you leave those 
places and like that's all it is then fine no advertisers going to go there no new people are going to join and it, it falls into disrepair i think if you have those as edge cases on a much larger platform of football fans and bts stands i think you have a different conversation i would agree with that I, and I, I think that like ultimately you sort of have to play through this in your head and say like okay can you change elon musk's mind about this stuff probably not could you pressure him into like giving it off to some kind of like corporate team that can do this possibly or like, is there any road map for fixing this in its current setup? And I'm not sure, but I will say this is a perfect time to switch to a more mainstream platform that has, I would say, similar network effects happening underneath the surface, it seems. Let's talk about Spotify's year-end data they released this week. Are we going to talk about your Spotify wrapped or just uh, like the overall data? So my Spotify wrapped was great, as always. It was mostly people who scream over guitars, sure, uh, which is the kind of music that makes me happy. Although this year was much less Mountain Goats and much more this ska band called Cliff Diver from Oklahoma. Their new album this year kind of dominated my wrapped. What was your wrapped? I don't use Spotify. All right. I forgot about this. Yeah. Sorry. My wrapped is, is boring and tedious. Wait, Ryan, did you use the like weird Spotify festival thing that was going around a little bit that somebody had? I didn't. In, in a really weird way, this year I actually had trouble. Actually, no, I feel like every year I have trouble finding the actual wrapped feature. Hmm. Got so it. I didn't explore. So there is. So there's two different competing things. There was a company that realized people liked having their own listening habits fed back to them in like a weird, fun way. And so a company that's not Spotify created a little widget that's like those like grid of nine things that used to happen at the end of the year on Instagram. It wasn't a company. It was just a guy. It was just a guy. Basically, literally one guy wrote like a fun bit of code. A guy called... Oh, I'm going to find his name because he deserves credit because he went everywhere. And Chase Sabu. Yeah. Uh, he was thinking about Coachella. Had the idea when he was like scrolling through TikToks and he just made like a cool API that went into Spotify and, and pulled the data. And so that's that's all it is. Like, but yeah, it's just a guy. And it, so it auto-generates a JPEG that's a festival poster for the ultimate lineup based on your Spotify listening habits. Oh, that's where all those pictures were coming from. Yeah, yeah. So the best part about mine was because I used my Spotify account to play songs for my kid. On mine, there was a day that was headlined by Converge, Elmo, and Metallica, which I thought was pretty rad. Dude, I would see that. <laughs> I would see that in a heartbeat. I would watch that yeah. in a heartbeat. That's so sick. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people had this where it was like, you know, the the the, the Wiggles uh, and then uh, Lil Nas, and it was like, yeah. So, not only did we all get our Spotify raps, but Spotify wrapped itself and has released some interesting metrics, particularly on podcasts. So, okay, I want to run through this. What do you think, Luke, is the most popular podcast in the world on Spotify? I mean, it's Joe Rogan. It's always the answer to every question about what's the most popular podcast what do you think is the second most popular podcast i mean is this, this is globally or the u.s globally globally um was megan markle's exclusive to spotify because that would be a maybe i don't believe so it wasn't on there either way that or something by barstool sports so it was call her daddy are you familiar with call her daddy that's the, that's the one that used to be Barstool Sports, right? Yeah, and then it broke off. Yeah, okay. Number three was Anything Goes with Emma Chamberlain. Number four is very interesting. It's Case 63. Are you familiar with this show? No. So it's a sci-fi audio drama. My, my girlfriend was super into it. 
Uh, she listened to the, the Spanish language version. And I believe Alan listened to it as well, correct? Yeah. So I listened to the English version. I think this is on as high as it is on the list because they've combined the listening for the Spanish version and the English language version. So the Spanish version was first. It was produced and released in Chile. And then it did so well in Latin America that they remade it as an American English version and cast two very big Hollywood stars as the lead actors in the show. And it's good, right? So it stars Julianne Moore and yeah, Oscar Isaac. And it's very, very good. It's also incredibly perfectly designed to be consumed on Spotify. Each episode is about 10 to 13 minutes long. Um, and each episode ends with a cliffhanger. It's also like has all sorts of timey-wimey stuff. It's like 12 Monkeys plus like a dark episode of Doctor Who, but also done through therapy sessions. Yeah, my girlfriend does not listen to podcasts and she was hooked on it. So uh, I think it's really interesting that it's like, because we often like think about podcasts or like audio productions as a thing that isn't particularly global because you can't subtitle audio easily. You can't dub a podcast super easily. Uh, we dub Luke. So Luke is American, but we have a British guy voice him. I really, I really think what we should do is just start dubbing ourselves in Spanish and get that kind of some of that overlap there. I think we would be. I think we would honestly kill in Spanish. We should get two Spanish speakers to just replace us. I think that would be much better. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we could use the 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 Mr. Beast company. He has a company for dubbing. Of course, he has a company for dubbing. And then number five globally is Crime Junkie, which is true. You know, it's a true crime show. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. True crime. I mean, I guess what's interesting, I have heard over and over again that podcasts are over or podcasts are done, but also it feels like the biggest podcasts are bigger than they've ever been. And there's more podcasts than they've ever been, but I keep hearing the podcasting is over. And I just like, I have a very tough time fitting podcasts into my larger understanding of the internet as in, as an ecosystem. So I'm convinced that podcasts operate on like an extremely annual cycle uh maybe annuals even, even too strong for it but basically people start listening to a load of podcasts at once and i think each year a load of people who have never listened to a podcast before start listening to podcasts and suddenly they're listening to like eight and each year which is which add a new chunk of people to who listen to podcasts and i think once you listen to podcasts you don't go back to being a non-podcast person i don't know i'm trying to remember when i started to podcast which was probably like four or five years ago but there was an, a period when i would not i would read things I stopped doing that. Thankfully, I don't have to do that anymore because it was awful. And I just mm, listened good. to things instead. But yeah, if I was on the tube, I would be listening to music while reading like something that I had saved to, like my Pocket app. Do you still use Pocket? I use Pocket. I use it for reading long form. Do you use it as much as you did? I don't know. Because there was a period when we both had it and we were like compared. Because they used to do this, had the same feature of like how much you've read during that year. Yeah. Do you use it as much as you did then? Because we used, both used to use it a lot then. No, I don't use it as... I use it more now as like a bookmarking tool just for tracking stuff i don't use it actively as much as i used to because i'm also not going into an office sure okay that, that, that doesn't make sense this was my issue with podcasts too which is that like the majority of my po my favorite podcasts were chat shows or some version of that and listening to them during the pandemic was excruciating because I, I didn't want to listen to like all my favorite podcasters like have mental breakdowns alone in their homes like us i have started to listen to podcasts again but I have also found that a lot of the podcasts I was listening to never really recovered from that weird pandemic slump or got so insular that it gets impossible for me to ever jump back in. Yeah, that's that makes sense. That's definitely a thing that, that has happened to a few of them. And I do think I do think the kind of the chat podcasts are probably drifting a little bit. It doesn't feel like there's as many of them now. Like things just tend to be a little bit more specific. There's, there's, there's another bit of data on this kind of um, Spotify stuff, which is the most anticipated podcasts. Basically, it's based on the the number of streams 
on the first episode of it. Oh, that is interesting. So the idea is, is like, what was everyone waiting for? And there it's, uh, number one is Meghan Markle's thing, which, yeah, makes perfect sense. Number three is Kim Kardashian's thing. I did not know Kim Kardashian had a podcast, but it's apparently each one is telling the story of a an unsolved crime, which feels like oh. made for... <laughs> like that's that. very, yeah. very cynical and smart. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, unsolved crime is wrongly convicted people. Oh, that actually is, that fits her thing a bit more. Yeah. K sixty three is also in there, which we mentioned, and then Back to Beach with Kristen and Stefan, and then yeah, Batman Unburied, which yeah. So Batman Unburied is another interesting one. That one debuted outside of the US first as well, I believe. I believe it was launched in Brazil first, and then it was done in English with Brian Tree Henry from Eternals, and he voices the Bruce Wayne character. I think I, I think the, the major takeaway though with Spotify is that their thing is working. Like the Spotify podcast audio thing is kind of working. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, it makes sense. Their idea of becoming like the Netflix of audio is sort of is sort of working. So I want to switch gears one last time before we wrap for the week. And I want to talk about TikTok because we haven't talked about TikTok in a while. And I've noticed sort of a an, an interesting twist on the Andrew Tate fiasco from a few weeks back that I, I, want to, I want to sort of update us on. Can I dive into one theory that I have that I'm still workshopping? On what? Which is that Andrew Tate and other successful influencers do very well because their accents don't make any sense explain so don't make any sense as in like you can't tell where he's from you can't tell where he's from like but also it goes back and forth like he is this very odd part british part american part eastern european almost accent and i've noticed this with a bunch of other influencers like basically the most successful influencer you want would want to be would be like a south african who moved to la i think people do a thing with them where they're just like i don't quite understand you and they kind of keep listening and it just it you know how we used to talk about the idea that you want things to be ever so slightly off because that makes people notice them? Like if you spelt something wrong in a headline, it would do better. Yeah, no, a lot a, a lot of headlines that I published had had typos in them and the traffic went down when we when the typo was fixed. That is true. Yeah, exactly, because it catches your eye and like pulls you out of it and I think that there is the thing on like TikTok and stuff where the accent does the same thing. That is interesting. I have Nothing to back that up with what I was about to talk about this week, (laughs) but I think it's interesting regardless. And I think you might be right because I do think there is some ASMR sound stuff that's like very a part of what is popular on TikTok and why. But so what I've discovered is a very loose pocket of younger creators on TikTok that are, I'm going to call them post red pill. (laughs) They sort of swim in the waters of men's rights activism and misogyny and all of that unsavory stuff. Sure. But they seem less theatrical than the pickup artists of the mid 2000s. Like they're not wearing like crazy scarves and like feathers and, and fedoras and shit. They're just like, they just look sure. like normal people. But their stuff is aggressively bad and very popular for bad reasons. Um, so the first one I want to show you, are you familiar with Sneeko? Uh, I am not. So Sneeko, I believe, has been officially uh, removed from YouTube. I believe he's he's done. Hold on. So how do you spell this? Like sneaker, but with an O. Oh, yeah. this like like It's kind of like a Zuby thing. What, who's Zuby? Zuby music. I, I'm not familiar. 
Oh, yeah. Zubia is like a, a rapper who is a drifted into kind of like the men's rights space. Oh, then yes, that would be that would be sort of like this. A lot of people were wanting Sneeko to get deplatformed from YouTube. But here are some clips of his. So take a look at that. So that's this is a, this is like a TikTok account that like collects his stuff. Um, which is a huge part of this, right? This was true. This is true for Andrew Tate as well, which is that it's not just about the person's channel. It's like all of the fanboys collecting the material. Men are not allowed to set the standard for what they want. We're shamed for it. We're called toxically masculine. I said that this is problematic. This is bad. Why were you controlling? So many words to shame men for what they really want. It's better to settle it. down with a loyal eight than a ten. Because 10s are getting so much attention, they have ego so high up, it's just not worth the headache. It's better to sacrifice those two points and get with an eight who really wants you for who you are. All right, okay, yeah. So he is banned now, but this is someone collecting his stuff. Yeah, and he's just like a loud, obnoxious guy. Sure. Who just says like rude shit about women and sucks, right? And then there's this other guy who is called Kai Sanat. And here's a video he did recently title what happens in miami stays in miami and it is uh i don't even know what i'm looking at but it has a lot of views and he has a lot of followers and he um he's he's sort of the same deal where he he, he's inventing like jargon and like uh slang words which are spreading all over tiktok he has a term called riz that is very popular uh you do you know what that means to have riz or unspoken riz riz is like game right yeah, it's like having game. But what I what I think is really interesting about these kinds of guys who are following in Andrew Tate's footsteps is that they are very different from the men's rights activists that I think we're familiar with. These guys are not weird nerds, at least on the outside. They don't dress like maniacs and they are way more monetarily focused. Like they all have weird academies and like fan base programs and referral systems and it's a whole generation of creators that are modeling themselves after Andrew Tate and succeeding which I find troubling and I don't totally know what to do about it because it's happening on TikTok which is a platform that really doesn't seem to care about this stuff yeah so I see a touch differently which is that I don't think that they are as cynical as that like there's there's obviously like a big spectrum here some of them like maybe Sneeko is maybe Kaisenet isn't but like this is a group of people who tend to be unpleasant to women and very self-focused and very like they've inhaled a bunch of kind of hustle grind mindset stuff and a bunch of red pilly andrew tate adjacent stuff and they put that together into like these personas which tend to be focused on like earning and spending a lot of money ideally in a way that demeans women in some way and i think like in the past there have been mechanisms for getting this stuff off social networks, right? Like, like YouTube had a whole string of these guys in the early 2010s, and then YouTube's algorithm changed, and a lot of them disappeared or became smaller. I don't see TikTok being that actively engaged in dealing with this stuff at, at all. I just don't see them caring that much. No, also because I think an awful lot of it is unpleasant, but not illegal. Like, it's even a step below, like, uh, what's the line they use in the online safety bill in the UK? Um, legal, but harmful. I think it's even a step below that, where it's just like kind of a an atmosphere and an environment and an approach that is very, very unpleasant. But it's very hard to be like, oh, this is the bit that is that crosses the line. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. I, I, I assume like 
Because, like, do you remember that whole string of prank YouTubers and how just, like, out of control that got until they essentially kind of vanished for a while? And then, like, like th- there was that whole streak of, like, YouTubers, like, getting naked at football games and, like, climbing monuments and stuff. Yeah, and the same, they've come back and they are now positively pranking people. They're like, hey, here's a surprise. I'm giving you money. Or that TikTok thing that's going around where people are like, hey, I'll give you, do you want $10 or I'll double it and give it to the next person? Do you want $20? I'll double it. And they do this. And it's, yeah, it's positive pranking, essentially, which is like the same vibe. Just they figured out that at a certain point you are just harassing people on the street and that is probably a problem. Yeah, no, I can't go to the supermarket anymore without a bunch of Gen Z kids asking me what I'm listening to <laughs> or uh, would I smash or pass? And it's it's really stressful. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all. Um, but no one's going to fix it. <laughs> I feel so like blackpilled about all this stuff, but I feel like ever since ever since Musk took over Twitter, I just have this attitude of like these companies don't care and a lot of them I think are just waiting to see what happens with Elon Musk because if like he succeeds, all of them are going to stop caring about this stuff in the way that they used to or at least pretending like they used to. Yeah. Uh, which just sucks. <laughs> like, it just sucks. <laughs> Uh, hey Luke have you consumed any content to stay sane this week yeah I uh, we spoke last week about how we we're going to talk about Andor this week and I thought I was close to the end of it than we actually was so I had to catch up like six episodes but you did finish it I did finish it I finished it on as George Lucas would have wanted on the tube home from work good that's the way you should watch all prestige drama do you agree with me that it is probably the best piece of Star Wars media maybe ever so I would say that it is between it and Rogue One for the best pieces of media produced in the Star Wars universe. I don't necessarily agree that they are the best Star Wars media because I think that is like a slightly different definition. Star Wars holiday special being better, you probably of course, yeah. Alan, how did you feel about Andor when, now that it's all wrapped up? Uh, came on very slow. Tried to watch it with my wife. She gave up after the first three episodes, and then I'm so sad for her because it just turned into the best thing. It it needs to start slow because what they're doing is. I mean, the story of, of political radicalization and mobilization, and you can't just like do it. It has to like grow. We're going to we're going to get into it. But there were several moments throughout the season that made me deeply emotional. It changed my investment in that universe in a way that like I was not expecting. It's like, yeah, it's, I thought it was fantastic and beautiful. And I think that like they figured out what Star Wars was missing, which was a planet that's just Liverpool. <laughs> and I think that like that's what Star Wars has been missing all along. Also, take away the wizards and the laser swords, at least for a little bit. You know, and I think that like British people are really good at playing space fascists. I think that like you should just keep that as a thing. If you want to listen to us talk about Andor, head over to thecontentminds.com, sign up for bonus episodes. You get Discord access. It's a lot of fun, helps support the show. Before we end though, I wanted to run through our Spotify wrapped, which we get as a podcast. Do it. Which is pretty interesting, real quick. Yeah. So, what do you think was our most popular episode this year? Uh, Do you remember any of the episodes that we've put out this year? Uh, well, it was probably one of the ones about Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok. It was Depp versus Herd Memes, our QAnon for Millennials, Ugh. which had 372% more streams than our average episode. Uh, so that doesn't feel great. 
Like, well, I think it was good that we did that episode. This taps into a theory that I have that Spotify is not actually becoming the Netflix for audio. It's becoming the YouTube for audio because it's one of the only places where you can see search create traffic for audio content. It doesn't happen on Apple, That's but it does happen on Spotify. So everybody was searching for Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and you wisely, Ryan, put those keywords into the title because the Spotify algorithm only indexes titles and that's it. It doesn't index descriptions. So if you want good SEO on Spotify's search, then you have to put the keywords in the titles. Well, time to completely capsize this show by <laughs> turning it into pure SEO gibberish. Okay, so of our top five countries, we're listened to in 64 countries, which is pretty cool. But of our top five countries, four are English speaking. So it's United States, United, uh, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia. There's one country that's not English speaking in the top five. What country do you think it is? It's not English speaking. Um, I mean, it would probably be either Brazil or France. Germany, baby. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Germany. Interesting. Podcasting has exploded in Germany with a high incidence of English speakers at the same time. So German podcasters usually listen to both English and non-English podcasts. Interesting. That is interesting. Uh, it's useful having someone who knows what I'm talking about on this. <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not have so, spent a lot of time learning about podcasts. Our best week was the end of May, beginning of June. Our podcast. Oh, that is that right? That can't be right. Our podcast was in the top 5% most shared globally. This is about right. Do we have a popular show? We don't have. A, no, we don't. Whatever. Well, no, it's just like the vast majority of podcasts are very unpopular. Oh, true. Okay. Remember that there's over a million podcasts on most of the services and like 90% of them don't ever go past episode two. Oh, well, we don't have a problem there. We've done 140 something of these. Oh, Jesus. That's like 125. This is episode 125 of of the like main shows. Oh, that is that is that is 10 days of straight recording. 10 days of our lives. Yeah, that's beautiful that I've spent 10 days of my life in a Zoom screen with you. Hold on. This is kind of weird. Okay, so there's a personality trait that it assigns the majority of our listeners. Oh, dear. I guess I think it's based on their other Spotify information, which is super creepy. It says, your listeners' podcast personality is the enthusiast. <laughs> your listeners are super fans. When their favorite podcast releases a new episode, they're among the first to know, going above and beyond to show their support. All right, a little desperate. I think <laughs> our audience needs to chill out a little bit. Maybe wait a couple of days to listen to the new episode. Yeah, just uh, a little but that's nice. 83% of our listeners discovered us in 2022. That's actually astounding. Where were you guys years ago when we were uh, doing the raw shit? I mean, that may that mainly worries me that we've alienated a bunch of our old listeners, which is very possible. Very possible. Well, 17% of our new listeners came in through the, the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard episode, which I think we did right before we went on vacation, which was probably <laughs> not a very smart move for us. But Good. Uh, yes. Smart. That's, in that's retrospect. How we Oh, and I, okay. Lastly, there are some ratings here. We have a 4.9 rating. I didn't even know you could rate podcasts on Spotify. You should probably tell people in the audience that they should rate our show on Spotify. Give it some stars. You should rate our show on Spotify. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcast app of choice, you should rate our show. Okay. So the, the last wrap up here is that we have 189% follower growth this year. We have 80% more listeners, a 71% increase in streams, and a 62% increase in hours listened so we're up baby the network's not going to cancel us yet and by network i mean the three of us decide that we don't want to do this anymore <laughs> so for now 
we're still going up. You're amazing. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you guys for supporting us. I want to thank Alan, our lovely producer, for the fantastic soundscapes that are currently hitting your ear holes. And we will see you on the bonus episode talking about Andor. Have a good week, everybody. Goodbye.